0: Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the Word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. We're going to read a passage of scripture that might be a little bit different for the holidays, but it is something that um, many of us are probably familiar with. So the title of the message tonight is called The Label Maker, but but the... actual passage that we're going to read tonight in luke chapter 15 is commonly referred to by people in the church as the story or the parable of the prodigal son jesus jesus himself told uh, this particular story in luke chapter 15 this is his story um that that he's trying to communicate something to um to all of to all of us his disciples his followers and all of us but before we get into that we're going to do something Um, A little fun. Everybody got pens for your notes and stuff? Okay, so we're going to do, before we read the scripture, we're going to have a quick, um, (laughs) I I can just sense how this is going to go. We're going to have a quick elementary school English class review. So some of y'all just got tense right there. It's like he said school, what's going to happen? No, there's no test or no quiz or anything. But I just want to review real quick just a little bit of basic English before... um, I, I just had a thought run across my head and the filter caught it, so thank you, God, for that. Um, so, <laughs> so, I'm going to keep right on going. Ready? Grammar review. So, the first line in your notes there is, the first blank is subject. So, I'm like the perfect, like, um, substitute teacher, right? Like, I'm giving you all the answers. Subject. So, the subject is normally some form of noun, a person, place, or thing, and it carries out the action in the sentence. Everybody, everybody all right? We all good? Okay, subject second line on your notes there you can write in verb v-e-r-b verb it's uh, the action words okay everybody remember that one yeah everyone's starting to get back in the back in the the rhythm here um recess will be after the service is over adjective is the third line a-d-j-e-c-t-i-v-e adjective those are descriptive words about the noun or subject okay pretty easy everybody remember this from grammar school okay some of you are looking at me blank, so we'll, we'll, just, we'll help you afterwards. We'll get you online and get you a refresher course. Okay, so, so what I want to do is I'm going to use these. I want to review a, a, a real simple basic sentence, okay? And it's on your paper there. The brown dog is barking. Now, if you're wondering, this is a personal sentence to me because uh, my brown dog is always barking at the wrong thing. Cats airplanes hot air balloons when they fly over right except for the people who break into your house you don't bark at them he barks at everybody else yes it's a true story so at 2 a.m the sentence changes right it's not brown it's the stupid dog is barking you know anybody have pets right and at 3 a.m the dog i'm about to kill is barking right so but we'll stick with the first one to diagram our sentence here so in this sentence the brown dog is barking the subject is the dog yeah oh Participation, look at here. I thought I was gonna scare you off with this one. This is good. Okay, the next one the verb is barking. barking. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then the adjective is brown. Okay, so it's the descriptive word about the dog, and since he's a subject. Okay, so this is basic grammar, right? But I want to do something that seems kind of nonsensical, like seems kind of just ridiculous. I want to pull. The subject out of the sentence and read it. Okay, it's on your paper there. The brown is barking. Now, without the subject, this makes no sense, right? There's no way to, there's no point of reference, you don't know what you're talking about. Without the subject, the dog, um, it just says the brown is barking. You have no noun, no person, place, or thing to refer to what brown is talking about, right? This Is a principle that our culture has learned in grammar school, but it is a principle they do not apply to people in real life. And let me tell you why. In our current cultural climate, people don't deal with others as if they were the noun. They deal with them only by their adjective. The next line in your notes. Our culture increasingly treats others by their adjective, <clears throat> adjective instead of their subject. What happens is, is we, we have you know politicians and people who push everybody together. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I watch these like town hall meetings and a guy stands up and asks a question to a politician who's running for office, and they give some answer, it's like the weirdest, vague out there. They never answer the guy directly, right? Or the lady who's asking the question directly. It's always like this big, huge, prepared, beat around the bush, like answer that never really answers the question. And the reason for that is because our politicians, and not just our politicians, but this is a good example, they, they group people into these um, demographics. And they're not talking to people. They're talking to the demographic. They're not looking at us as Matt, as Nina, as Janelle, as you know everybody down the line. They're not looking at us. They're looking at a demographic. So they size us up, the guy, the person who's asking the question, and they answer the entire demographic to try to get all of the people who look like you, who sound like you, who talk like you, who are the same age as you, To all come in and vote a certain way for me, right? So, they don't ever answer the person. In essence, they're ignoring the subject and they're looking at the adjective. We have this happen a lot in marketing and I don't know if you guys ever listen to the radio anymore or you just stream everything but if you're in your car and you don't have an internet connection in your car and you're like me with one speaker working on the right side and you're trying to listen to the Christmas music as you're driving down the road um, but you can still hear the commercials, right? So, these the commercials, if you'll notice that if you listen to a certain if you listen to a certain radio station, like the the younger music, the top forty, the kind of pop or hip-hop-ish kind of stuff, the advertisements are geared towards the people they think who listen to this type of music. So their age ages 16 to about 24, 26 in that range. So all the advertisements are for, you know, student loans or for colleges or how to pay off your student loans for the degree you're not going to use or the the filter didn't catch that one. Sorry. Um, or you're going to um, your first, your first car loan or your first credit card or things like that. Now, if you're in my demographic and you listen to the oldie station for the Christmas music, what are they talking about? They're looking for people like in the 35 to 55 range and they're talking about mortgages and refinancing and debt consolidation and They still might be talking about paying off your student loans, right? Because that lasts your whole life. (laughs) And then they're talking about all these things that would apply to you. So they're not really talking to you. They're talking to the demographic. In essence, they're not talking to the subject. They're talking to the adjective. And in marketing, that kind of can make sense because you don't really know who you're talking to. But when that bleeds into the culture and bleeds into the church and when we as people of God, believers in Christ, are dealing with people, we have to deal with them as the subject and not what we think their adjective is. We cannot talk to them and deal with them and witness to them or treat them the way that we think that descriptive word of them is. We have to let the descriptive word pass and go back to the person. It can't be that mean guy, and we focus on the mean. It's got to be the guy. Why is he mean? This is not on your notes. I'll do a whole thing on this later, but there's a, a, a little phrase. It's funny, E-GAS, E-G-A-S, that I want everybody who comes to this church to remember, E-G-A-S. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. And before I look at that lady at my job who is driving me nuts, and I go look at that lady and go, Oh, that that she, that lady's a pain. I focus on the fact that she's a pain, but I don't ever focus on her. And what we find all throughout scripture is that we keep coming back to the subject, the person, not the adjective or what they did to earn themselves that descriptive word. God really wants us to remove that and deal with the person, the subject. When we deal with people's adjectives and not them as the subject, next line in your notes. When we do this, we dehumanize the very people God created. <clears throat> we dehumanize the very people God created. <clears throat> As believers in Christ, the next line of your notes is that when our flesh is in control, we judge others' actions and apply labels to them. When our flesh is in control, when we're operating in our flesh, and we see somebody do something, we, we see that, we don't like what they just did, and we go, bam, label. They were angry okay he's the angry guy and we focus on the angry and not the guy but when our savior is in control we judge other act others actions and apply grace to them the difference between adding a label and adding grace to someone can be the relief of an endless cycle they're going through and can be the open door that they need to walk through to be introduced to Christ. Why does any of this matter when we talk about the story we're going to talk about tonight? Look at the title of the story. The Prodigal Son. The Prodigal Son. When, even if you go back to the, uh, what people refer to as the authorized English translation of the Bible, the 1611 um, King James Version of the Bible, even if you go back to that, never once does the Bible call him the prodigal son. Did you know this? When I went and read back the scripture, never once does it call him the prodigal son. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 15, 11 through 13. It's on your sheet of paper there. Two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his two sons uh, his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Where do we get the word prodigal from this passage? a later translation replaced that word riotous living with prodigal living. It still didn't call him the prodigal son. It just said he, there he wasted his substance with prodigal living. That word riotous, right there in verse 13 that we just looked at, if you define it from its original language, the original language the Bible is written in, The word riotous means wasteful. How many of us in this room have ever squandered the substance of our life on wasteful living? This guy right here. So why in the world do we look at this kid who's in the story, and yes, it's a parable, but why do we look at this guy and go, He's the prodigal son. He's the wasteful son. When I've been the one who's been wasteful, other people in this room have been wasteful. I'm sure everybody in this room can look at somewhere at some point in their life and say, I have done something that's been wasteful in my life, right? I don't want to be called prodigal Matt. I don't want you to walk in the door and be like, hey wasteful Nina. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to look at Brian and be like, hey, riotous liver Brian. <laughs> Nobody wants the label attached to them. Right? So why do we look at this guy? Our culture has even impacted the way we reference this scripture because we have automatically seen this guy's actions and labeled him already the prodigal son. This is how... This is how we see the story. That's how we see it. The prodigal is the thing that jumps off the page. But nowhere does even Jesus call this poor kid the prodigal son. So here we are, impacted by our culture without even realizing while we're reading his word. <clears throat> next line on your notes we should not give people permanent labels permanent labels from temporary actions we should not give people permanent labels from their temporary actions why next on your notes actions can change <clears throat> actions can change mean can become kind angry can become joyful more importantly lost can become found and when that transformation happens in a believers life I think you're probably like me when you realize all the labels you've given others are the ones that you wear, and you realize that oh my gosh, my actions have been opposite of God. But I can, I can be forgiven of those things. It gives you great, great humility. And the next line in your notes, humility brings great clarity. Humility <clears throat> gives great clarity. So we're gonna do. A potentially dangerous exercise today and I'll tell you why it's dangerous here in just a second we're gonna do a, a thing here I'm gonna sit somebody in the chair and we're gonna talk about your labels <laughs> we're gonna sit Matt in the chair and talk about his labels okay now um, I grew up in church right church brat kid my dad was a deacon we were involved ever since I was Young, you know, I came out, they tiled me off, I went to church. I mean, that's just how my life was. It was just all the time. I was involved, super involved. We were at everything. I was in the youth group, the Royal Rangers, ready to work, play, serve, Bay worship, live, etc. You have to get the etc in there, or you were wrong. Um, But I did all the stuff. I did all the church stuff. I read all the Bible. I knew right and wrong. I was taught about the Lord. I read scripture as a kid. And... um, I was at one single church from the time I was five until I was 16 and at the age of 16 the pastor that I was sitting under and we had kind of revered so much the the denomination I was involved in looked at the pastor like uh, you know he didn't walk he just like floated and moved his feet so the rest of us didn't feel bad you know what I mean but he really floated and it was kind of like that big elevation you know he's on way up here I'm way down here was that kind of that kind of a thing and um, so It really threw me for a loop when he was caught doing stuff that was immoral. It really threw me for a loop because my dad didn't want to caught him. And the private war that went on behind the scenes was dirty, grimy, nasty. And I watched my dad come home beat up every night for months from the guy he looked at as a spiritual leader. I kind of developed a little bit of an attitude and said, because, you know, being 16, what else are you going to do, right? Um, I developed an attitude that said, um, oh, if this is what this Christian thing is all about, and this is the guy that's been elevated up so high, if this is the guy I'm supposed to be uh, following, uh, y'all can keep this, and deuces, I'm going to bounce and I decided to try to live my own way. It didn't last very long. I was very bad at it. Specifically, I was a bad cusser. I tried to cuss, and it just didn't work. I would use the wrong words in the wrong places. I just wasn't good at it. Oh I was really bad. Um, well, you know, whatever. Um, so <laughs> I was really bad, but, and so I eventually, but I just tried to go press the, the, the buttons of people. I tried to get away from everything I knew it was right. Pursued some things that I regretted. And eventually, through God's grace and his mercy and provision, he brought me to a place of repentance and back to him. And I rededicated my life, gave my life back to the Lord. What happened, though, was something very odd. I um, was grateful for the grace that God gave me. I had this sense of gratitude. But my sense of gratitude was kind of small. I had another feeling that was going on inside my heart and that was entitlement. I felt like I deserved a mulligan on my little time of indiscretions. If you don't know mulligan is, it's like a free shot in golf. Like you don't get to count that. I get a free pass on this one because I acted this way because this dude acted a fool. So I really shouldn't have to you know thank you god for the grace and we get it it's really his fault right it's his fault not mine so i i i need grace for this yes but it's not really anything i'm going to go back to doing all the things i was raised to do which is follow all the rules follow the jesus rules man and it put me in a position where i felt like i deserved i deserved this grace that i did nothing to earn i went with that attitude many years ago when i began ministry as a teenager and i took that entitled attitude with me into the beginning of ministry it was horrible it was a it was a gross despicable thing but it is the truth about what i did i would go and pray for people And they would tell me about the things they were struggling with. And in the back of my mind, I would be like, I know God can fix this. And would pray for them. But when I would leave, I would feel like, well, you need grace more than me. Because I'm over here following the rules. And you're over here breaking the rules and asking God to forgive you. And so I felt like I deserved the spot of ministry that I had been given. It's kind of embarrassing to say it out of my mouth now. But it is 100% the God's honest truth. That's where my heart was. <clears throat> had somebody told my story like that and recorded it, <clears throat> it had have been very easy to not call me the prodigal son. It would be very easy to call me the Pharisee's son. Because that's what I did. I'd read the Bible and the Pharisees would ask Jesus questions. And I thought, well, that's kind of a good question. And then I realized I had the same mentality as the Pharisee. And those are the people that Jesus dealt the harshest with. Wasn't the person that was acting immoral that he was all crazy on. He gave those guys grace. It was the people who were religious, did all the rules, but their heart was eaten up with jealousy and mine was crawling with it. Out here, we were good. I don't drink, smoke or chew or run with those that do. Whatever the little cheesy saving I was taught when you know, <laughs> kindergarten or children's church or whatever the youth group I was in. Can't be doing all that, but envy, anger, malice, judgment and had you labeled me with those things this was a big one I was definitely selfish infinitely angry we already talked about being entitled Every one of those things was true about me, every one of them. You could have very easily told my story and focused on any number of one of those labels, but Pharisee is the one that still to this day gets me the most. The downfall of being a rule follower is that you get entitled because you think I did all the right stuff so I get a prize. Clean your plate, you get dessert. Do all these things and Jesus is happy with you. I was convinced that God wanted good little boys and girls to serve him so I was gonna be that, but neglected the condition of my own heart. Which for me, It's far harder. If I'm honest, it's far harder. But the good news is, and the next line of your notes is this, God does not see you with these labels. Some of these labels, other people have called you, and you've said, if you're going to call me that, fine, I'll act like that. Some of these labels, you know what really goes on in your own heart, so you give them to yourself. But the great thing about this story is that God doesn't see you like this. He sees you like this. All of that stuff You did. Let me rephrase that. All the stuff that I did, that I could not pay the price for, he saw as so small. He didn't look at the adjectives, the descriptive words that I rightfully earned. He looked at his son that he created. He looked at his child. How do we know? Luke 15, verse 17. But when he, the son who had wasted his life of riotous living, came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Got his whole speech ready. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It's a King James version of saying he tackled that boy to the ground because he was so excited to see him. And the son said to him, Father, here's my speech. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, completely ignoring the speech, which is my favorite part of the story, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found, and they began to be merry one of the things that sticks out in me is that when that father tackled his boy he didn't look at him and go welcome home prodigal son wasteful child arrogant child of mine inconsiderate son selfish son all of which were true but the father looks at it differently than we do all of those actions are easily forgivable why because Jesus paid the price for them he knows this is so easy to get rid of he is the most powerful god that there ever that there ever was and ever will be he is the ultimate he is omniscient he is omnipresent he has All power, forgiveness is like this to him. That's why this is so small, and the son, the you, the subject, is so big. Father isn't ignorant of what you were doing, He knows you were wasteful. He's just choosing. To not label you with temporary actions. What things have you put on yourself? Or have you accepted from other people? That you say, you know what? Yeah, that's me. I'm the stuck-up girl. I'm the cocky guy fill in the blank with whatever you think it may be, my guess is you have a very prominent picture in your head right now. But all those labels that you have put on yourself, he doesn't put on you. All he's worried about is you. None of those things are important to him. You are. You are. <clears throat> the fact that he, could, he continues to extend love and grace to us as His children destroyed the arrogant and entitled attitude I willfully chose to act in. Do you remember what God did for you? Do you remember the labels you used to wear or maybe still struggle with trying to rip off of yourself and not look at yourself through the lens of your mistakes or the pointing fingers or judgment of other people? Do you remember when he freed you? Do you remember when he saved you? Do you remember when the words way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness were not lyrics printed on a page, but they were the truth about your almighty God and how he dealt with you. Do you remember what that was like? I do. Next line on your notes. Every label the son had placed on himself or he picked up from others were removed. Removed by the Father. And he addressed the young man as his son. Father isn't ignorant of what you're doing. He isn't blind to your wasteful actions. He just chose him not to label you with them. So if you're here and dealing with these things constantly sticking to you. I can't get away from some of these things. Just I just walk and ugh. I can't get away from that brand of being the immoral one. Can't get away from it. That's you. I'm here to tell you and remind you that Jesus paid the price that you couldn't, that I couldn't. He bridged the gap by dying on the cross and rising again for you have direct access to the Father and grow roots deep into Him directly <clears throat> and to shed all of this nonsense that you may have carried your whole life. All you have to do is ask Him, God, let me see like you see. First, forgive me Let me see myself as you see me. And watch all of this stuff melt away and only you remain. You, the one that was valuable enough for him to send his son to die for. All men. Because he loved The world he gave his only begotten Son. He didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world, you and I are in the world, that grace is for everyone, including you. So before I said this is a dangerous exercise. Why is this a dangerous exercise at this point? It sounds like I can be free. I can rip these labels off. God can do something in my life. Because everything that you come here, not just here, or any church you ever go to, or any conference you sit in, any message you hear, you are responsible to God to act on what has been given to you. Believe it or not, that thought runs through my mind when I sit down and prepare a message. Because when I give it to you, and I feel like this is what the Lord wants me to share with you, I go, ooh, can't just hear this. Got to take it, apply it, and act on it. Why? Why? James 1, verses 22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. With that in mind and understanding what God has done and us as representatives of His, as believers in Christ, must do, we've got work to do. We can say the whole church has work to do throughout the world? Yes, But you know how we fix all of them? We don't. We start here. With us. Me. And all of the people are in this community of believers that come here and call this their church home. I wonder how many people we see every day like this. I got people... When I was preparing this message, I went, oh, man. I got a few right off the bat. <laughs> but I know that adjective is the thing screaming at me every time I see them. I walk differently around their cubicle at work. I speed up a little bit. Put my hoodie up when it's cold and kind of walk real fast. People and family who i'd rather go okay i gotta deal with them a certain way because i'm looking at them this way but how many people at christmas and their holiday time are already beating themselves to a pulp because their life is not where they want it their family's not where they want it they're not living in the house they thought they'd be living in by this time in life Life took a strange turn. How many people are in that position already? And we as believers cannot pile on and go, Hey man, yes, I'm going to keep treating you like the jerk that you are. But go, he's got a story. And look past the jerky guy to the guy that God created. When you realize, when we realize, when I realized that people who treat me incorrectly are doing so because they just don't have a heart that's submitted to God, the personal attack portion of me went away. And it became easier, not simple, but easier to look at those things and go, I can let that go. The heart's just not submitted to God because if it was, they wouldn't be treating me like that. They have a bigger problem just treating me bad. Why does the Bible say love your enemies? That exact reason. How many people can we this week walk by and begin to rip the labels off that we know they carry or that we may have given them? How many people can we interact with over a holiday time and rip every one of those incorrect judgments from permanent labels, from temporary actions? How many of those things can we rip off? And if we rip those off of other people, how much freedom, how much joy, how much life, how much change, how much opportunity will we have to share the gospel with them? That is the goal. Everybody's the hustle and bustle of life. I watched videos again this week of people fist fighting at Walmart over a $10 toaster police are running in and separating them and like give me that it's a blender i need a blender you know i'm just like bro come on you save 10 bucks on a blender and we're fist fighting people how many people are so juiced with that anger with that animosity because of how many labels they have how can we go this week and just start let's pop that one off you that guy who walks by and goes i'm a no, i know i'm a jerk right you know what bro I don't think you're a jerk. I think you're a guy who's dealing with something that comes out here. I did that. And watch how that relationship changes. Watch how God uses you as His ambassador, His representative on the earth to be an injection point for His love and the gospel everywhere we go. God Almighty, our loving Heavenly Father, paid the same price for others as He did for us. And if we really want other people to know Him and be free, we have to change our view from this focus to this one. Because it's the attitude of our Heavenly Father. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1-4 through four. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. What people? All people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. That one's tough. And that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. He wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. If we have received this love from God that rips the labels off, if we have received the love from God who doesn't see us like this, but He sees us like this, There's no way we can stay silent and not distribute it to other people. So the challenge Roots Community Church is first to ask God to remove all the labels from you and walk free into wherever wherever life, wherever God has put you, job, family, career, fill in the blank, wherever you're at, entrepreneur, doesn't matter, Walk into that space and start looking at people like God does. How do you do that? You say, God, put your mind, your vision, your heart inside of me. Let me decrease. You increase. And let me see other people the way you see them. (laughs) Because this Christmas can be A very special Christmas. Indeed. Why? Because you might have the opportunity to actually open a door for people to receive the gift that's been given to the world. Jesus.